This FT podcast was brought to you by Credit Suisse. Entrepreneurial ideas can change the world. As a bank with deeply rooted entrepreneurial heritage, at Credit Suisse, we are driven by the idea of making progress happen. Do you have what it takes to be entrepreneurial? Find out what makes this way of thinking different and what you can learn from it. Discover more at creditsuisse.com slash progress. Support Black Podcast. Greg Hill presents Minority Trailblazer, the podcast dedicated to minorities who are blazing a trail in a variety of industries such as education, business, comedy, entrepreneurship, and more. Greg's goal is to share their stories in hopes to inspire, educate, and ultimately encourage others to live with purpose and passion. Check out Minority Trailblazer, available on gregehill.com, as well as on SoundCloud and every place that you find good podcasts. Remember, support Black Podcasts. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. And as always, I'm joined by my partner. Hey, hey, this is Vincent Williams. It's all soul. Wednesdays, 8 to 10 p.m. on G-Town Radio. I just thought of that. You keep uh, um, advertising G-Town Radio. I know. Now now we're on two other radio stations. I know. You're just a radio whore. I know. Hey, I'm liberated. Oh, is that what it is? That's right. Don't station shame me. <laughs> Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we are coming to you from the planet that they call Brooklyn. That's right. And we are sitting here to review from 1989. We yes. Don't, we don't dip back into the to the 80s that yeah, often. Yeah, yeah. From 1989, uh, Matthew Broderick. Yes. And Denzel Washington in an Academy Award winning performance. Yes. In Edward Zwick's Glory. One of the greatest war movies of all time, some would say. Okay. This movie is brought to us on the mission by a Michaud missionary. Yes. Himself, as well as a member of the Triple Nation. Yes. He is the Triple NX. And on the Michaud missionary mission. He is simply known as Richard. I'm going to say his last name wrong because I always say Richard Ng, but he's going to say. No, that's good. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Suck it, Kennedy. I got it right. (laughs) Huzzah. (laughs) Richard Ng is in the building, ladies and gentlemen. All right. What's up, Richard? How you doing? How you doing? Whoa. Thank you, man. No, man. It's uh, that's that's awesome. You know, it's uh, actually more people pronounce the name right down stateside like that I've met. Recently, in the five years we've been down here, versus uh, when I was growing up in Canada, and you can imagine there were all sorts of ways to mispronounce my last name. Well, well your, your last name is spelled N-G. Yes. That's the number five, right? Like, so, we, okay. you know, the can- Cantonese right. words, yeah, some say, mm, so some people say, mm, but that's, like, hard to say. Oh, okay. So it's, it's very commonly just said as ing, not as ang, or, like, the beginning of a Vietnamese last name, like, 
Nguyen. Oh, okay. So okay. That's where it gets kind of weird because a lot of folks think I'm Vietnamese. Oh, okay. Because yeah. I think a lot of Vietnamese, when they came over after the war, mm-hmm. yeah. they shortened it too because you were often mixed in with the uh, right. Chinese and Korean populations. Right. Right. But uh, no, that's it. And then I always tell everyone the... the uh, Sort of the uh, the bar trivia on this is uh, if you ever run into a Wu, they're also Ings. It's, the name's written the same way. So it's like the Smith. Oh, really? Chinese okay. Yeah. yeah, Wu is also five. Wow. So is there a reason why you would choose Ing over Wu or vice versa? So mainly because my family spent most of their time in Hong Kong after the war. Okay. So it's like Hong Kong Cantonese, so you go by that reading. But my family is actually Chaojo originally, so our last name is Go. So it's more like the Japanese way of saying five. Mm. That's how we actually would say our last name. Because the names are written in Chinese. Everything's written the same way. Right. But it's read differently. Okay. Depending on the verbal dialect. So, huh. yeah, it's the whole story of the first emperor when he uh, wanted to unify China. He did it the way most emperors do. <laughs> He's like, Gimme. let's um, use the, we're going to have one written Letter, one written right. alphabet, because you, it allows you to communicate, right. create history. Right, right. Um, and that's it. So all of your indigenous written alphabets no longer exist. You now read it this way. You can say it however you want. Oh. And I'm going to burn every other book and kill all the scholars. Well, as one does. That's kind of what you yeah. do. When that's <laughs> right. what these old emperors did. So last question. All right. Your last name means five. Yes. Is that just a number that everyone sometimes... Because you said it's like Smith. So yeah. there are a lot of people whose last name is five. Is that the only number that people have that as their last name? Or are there like fours and sevens well, there and won't, eights? There won't be fours because it's like a real bad luck number because it sounds like death. Like okay. Words like, like S versus, versus like S. It, it's like saying either four or death, which is why when you go to Asia, like in, in China or Hong Kong, there's no fourth floors. Because like uh, one, two, three. Oh. I know that. It's like skipping okay. thirteen. It's like skipping thirteen here exactly. in the states. Oh, yeah, interesting. It's how you can tell when the hotels, or the casinos, or like in in the U.S., they're trying to adapt. They they drop those numbers too. Okay, the numbers sometimes will skip, but yeah, um, they they do exist. But the weird thing is when you deal with um, like Asian languages, it's that sometimes the characters exist just as surnames, and then they also have meaning as like an actual word or a number or something else. Okay, so. It's just this weird thing where it's like you often have to historically look at how it's written to mm. understand what it means, right? Mm. But okay. it also helps that, you know, after the revolution and for most of the time in China, uh, there's functional uh, illiteracy that existed through most of the country. Right. So then they simplified the alphabet, so they changed the alphabet anyway. So much of the meaning's been lost of okay. what these names may have meant once because they've taken out uh, symbols that existed yeah. within the characters. Right. Uh, sure. And sure. then the only people who now remember what that meant are people, fo- or generally folks in Taiwan or Hong mm. Kong, because they use uh, traditional like characters. So there's a whole socio-political uh, relationship and, and 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 discourse around the uh, alphabets and the characters that are used That's in the Asian languages. That's fascinating. Yeah, All yeah, right. Well, yeah. thank you. Thank, Thank you for that. Was which it? I can't speak any of them, which is like the most embarrassing <laughs> thing. I mean, <laughs> I can tell you all about them. I was about to say, you, you speak it better than I do. <laughs> you can't speak them. <laughs> right, right. But I know it when I see it. Right, right, yep. right. It's like, it's like food. I can eat it and tell you if it's good. It doesn't mean I can cook it. There you, <laughs> there you go. There you go. We are yeah. reviewing um, Glory today, ladies and gentlemen, on the Michelle Mission. And this is the film that Richard uh, has asked us to review. 
I understand you were at Antietam. Yes. A great and a terrible day. I could use your help, Robert. The governor is proposing to raise a regiment of Negro soldiers. I've submitted your name to be commissioned colonel of the 54th Massachusetts Infantry. I mean, I know how much you'd like to make colonel, but a colored regiment? <laughs> I'm going to do it. Dear mother, the men learn very quickly, faster than white troops, it seems to me. They have risked their lives to be here. They have given up their freedom. I owe them as much as they have given. I owe them my freedom. My life, if necessary. One, nine, one, one. I, I can knock something down with this. A million loyal readers want to know what happens when the men of the 54th see action. Ain't no dream. We run away fame, but we come back fighting. A million and one. Marching is probably all they'll ever get to do. And they gotta know that nobody's gonna let them fight. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> let you take your regiment out to fight. But when? Just as soon as I can write the orders. that the film that you chose to select so i worked on my answer for this one because i did I, it was hard it was very difficult to choose a film my first reaction actually to trying to choose a film was actually a film you've done was new jack city mm, okay right because that i have to think would be a lot of people <laughs> right choice. right right uh, and then right after was juice was the second one. Oh, okay right um, and then because Menace, you, you had just, just did Menace. Yes, side, we did. Right? Which is just past what, 20 years, which is some sadness. Yeah. But Glory is a funny one. And it was for two reasons. So one, it's funny because the first time I saw it, I was actually in Hong Kong. They were playing it on Pearl, one of the Hong Kong stations. So it just happened to be on when I was like a oh, that's young kid. Wow. In Hong Kong. But second, it is that when I thought back, to you know all the films that I've seen and, and how they land in certain genres and styles, mm-hmm. and I thought about what your show is all about, right? It's it's really the history of black film by reviewing every single film ever, right? That is the first film that I can remember clearly, um, and that I was old enough to watch and and grasp the story that had to do anything with uh, the black military experience and and socio political divides um, between what was you know, the African-American community at the time, as well as the old Union and the Confederacy, it was the first film that I was exposed to that contained those issues. Okay. Oh, right? Yeah, now, I can see that, yeah. yeah. I, did, I grew up in Canada, so we showed different films. 
So Glory was one, you know, the type of film that would pop up every now and then as well, too. So over the years, you keep seeing it. But that was the first hmm. in, in my exposure to, uh, to what I would, well, we'll get into this later, but what could be debated as is it or is it not a, a, black, a black film? A black I, film. I, I, yeah. Right, right. I, you know, it was, again, but we'll get into that. We'll, we'll, right, we'll right. pause on that. Okay, okay. <laughs> Okay. Do you remember watching it, you yep. know, that first time? Do you remember kind of like your reaction to it? I remember, and this is what's really funny for me, it was remembering uh, the camp scene. Oh, okay. Always, always. That is the first scene in my head that comes up all the time when everyone comes up and they, says they say their piece. But no, it was, um, to me, it was... It really stuck out to me the same way that one, the first time I saw Memphis Bell, which is not mm-hmm. a, like mechanically necessarily a great film. I think right. it's something that I have a great interest in. The mm-hmm. U.S. Eighth Air Force being you know flying out of, of the U.K. and the daylight bombing raids, but with Glory, it was that it was seeing images of what the Civil War was, at least in my perception, mm-hmm. because I had no exposure to it through the context of, of history lessons or anything like that. We, we do not teach the U.S. Civil War in Canada. We just right. don't study it. Right. Um, Ain't but, your war. Yeah, Ain't but, your but seeing it was, um, it was really fascinating because it was this idea that why would you go and fight for any cause when really you're just part of the collateral damage that gets lost whomever wins? Right. right. And that was so, again, it, it's, 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 I guess a strength and a weakness of the film, and that mm-hmm. it's very blunt. Mm-hmm. In that right. message, it doesn't really. <laughs> there's no no questions about character that come right, up. Right. Really, everyone plays one role. Right. Um, but it was seeing that. But then through this context of, again, this was it was interesting because I approached the firm film, firm uh, the, the film first as like as a kid. Mm-hmm. So having these characters act as sort of archetypes is something that I could understand very quickly because, oh, they must represent all the regions and yeah. the people. And right, there's a few right. lines that drop at that. And it was something that always stuck with me because in the end, and, and you see this, and, and every war film has this, there's that pre-dawn, the night before scene. Yeah, right, and it's right. that camp scene that I, to this day, every now and then I'll be standing at a, makes no sense because I, I don't go to church, but I, you know, I've, <laughs> sat at a bus stop and I'll be like oh my lord yeah doing dishes right mm-hmm. and it was it's an image that has always stuck with me for I mean well since since the film came out since right. I first saw it which was probably like 92 or something wow, yeah long after it came out wow wow Glory ladies and gentlemen 1989 American war film directed by Edward Zwick starring Matthew Broderick Denzel Washington Carrie Yules and Morgan Freeman from a screenplay by Kevin Jarre and based on the books Lay This Laurel by Lincoln Kirstein and One Gallant Rush by Peter Bouchard and taken from the personal letters of one Colonel Robert Gould Shaw, who, the character that Matthew Broderick plays in this film. The film is about one of the first military units of the Un- Union Army during the American Civil War that consisted entirely of African-American men, except for the officers, as told from the point of view of Colonel Shaw, its white commanding officer. This regiment is known especially for its historic actions at Fort Fort Washington. The movie will go on to win, be nominated for five Academy Awards, winning three, including Denzel Washington's first Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for his portrayal of Private Silas 
trip uh, as well as was lauded by the Golden Globes and the NAACP as well. Richard, this was your movie. This was your selection here on the Michelle Mission. Uh, what are your opening uh, thoughts on Glory? So watching the film again for, I would say, the first time in about two years. Oh. I really enjoyed it again. Mm-hmm. Hit the books, though, because I do need, you know, I, I'd never looked into specific historical right. you know, sure. you know, fact around the 54th. And then as I was doing my watch again this morning, before I came in, it dawned on me that I don't think I like the film as much as I appreciate or want to understand the story of the 54th, mm-hmm. which keeps me engaged in the film. Right. Right. Because as I went through it, all these characters, you know, everyone likes um, Jupiter. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. He's kind of simple. He talks about hunting squirrels. Yeah. Yeah. But as I went through it, two things really popped out to me. So first was the character dynamic. And it was that the characters are largely playing a completely singular role within the narrative. They only have one perspective. They don't have much depth. You don't see much about them. In fact, most of the backstories or the contextual um sort of events that happen in the film are around Shaw's character. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Yeah, oh yeah. So then I started thinking, well, if this is really a film about Shaw and him being effectively exactly the same character as Carrie Alwes's character Forbes, he just happens to have his backstory told and happens to be in command, mm-hmm. right? Because they're almost the same guy. I said, well, this is kind of weird now because we got a film that it's an important story. It's a very important story. That is largely being told through the experience of the white commanding officer. So that, okay, not necessarily problem. It's not necessarily a you know a, a deal breaker on the film, but it changes the level of depth we get out of the characters. But then second, I started thinking, well, <laughs> if this is the case, and 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 the characters are largely playing off of what have become tropes, because none of the uh, you know, none of the black soldiers in the film are based off real characters. The closest they have when I was doing my, you know, hitting the books was that, um, you know, at the ending scene when uh, Denzel's holding the flag, yeah. that's sort of a take on William Carney winning, right. winning the, you know, mm-hmm. his award for the, the first Congressional Medal of Honor. So as I sat there, I, I was like, you know, the film actually suffers from a lot of serious structural defects, mm-hmm. but I still like it. And I think it's only because it happens to be a story about human life in war, which mm-hmm. happens to be a type of film that I really like. Yeah. Right. And yeah. in the context of the 54th, this to me, I think does hold a bit of a, uh, like an emotional connection for me because this was the first story that I ever saw that was told right. of this era. It's like the first time I know some kids saw Red Tails. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Not, I mean, tons of issues with that film. Right. But a very important story that can be a launch point exactly. for something else. Yeah, exactly. So as I was walking in, I said, I realized I don't think I like the film. And I don't know what might have caused some of those artifacts. And then I looked at the year the film came out. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Then I looked at what other films were on the Academy Award list. My man. Now, oddly enough, <laughs> there was one film. One film. That really stood out <laughs> on the 62nd Academy Award list. Lynn, I swear to God I was going to be good. When I was looking this stuff up, I said, I'm not even bringing it up. 
I'm not going to say it, but Richard, what film are you speaking of? Driving <laughs> Miss Daisy. And then I... <laughs> Now, I didn't even... Hand to God, I was not going to say a word about it. And the funny thing is, it didn't even occur to me. You know, the timing. Said, I mean, other films came out. Born on the Fourth of July was a, a huge film at that time. Yep. Right? I mean, bringing back the ghosts of our past in, in the context of how we conducted ourselves as people. Right? Mm-hmm. It's a big theme. Yes. But yes. then I saw, okay, so here's you know, Morgan Freeman's character, who everyone loves. And I loved that character when I was a kid. And I go back and I said, wait a minute, you just got... Sort of these tropes because you've got like rough, rogue, quiet, angry. Like it's like Batman without money, <laughs> right? In Denzel, who is incredible in yeah. that film. Like, it, it is. It's something else. He, he nails that. He, he got the single tear. It's, 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 it's a single tear. It's a single tear. It's the single tear. But even the angle, right? Yeah. Like, he knew how to stand. He knew what it was. Right, that it was. But but again, there were these sort of cheap outs in that film because, as an example, that scene. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, Mulcahy. Mm-hmm. Who says? I, mean, I, I well, well, and that, that's what I did give. I like the film for that. It showed that there were so many Irish that fought in that war. Yeah, because people forget that the draft riots happened right in this city. Yep, that's right. The largest that's civil right. unrest outside of the Civil War. Now, a lot of New Yorkers like to brush that under the carpet. You know, they don't want to talk about it, but they don't want to admit that so many incredibly terrible things happened to the black community here when those riots hit because it was all about you know people buying up, you know, themselves out of the draft when you had the money town yep. holidays yep. right and of course who did they turn the anger against That's and right. it became a war between so that tension that uh, you know between Irish and black communities was actually very genuine yeah very very, very but possible. as I sort of watched that scene you know and, and, and now you know I hear the dialogue you know it's like you know the uh, uh, you know it's like the prisoner is to be to, to receive 40 lashes in front of the company not, not on them, you know. Not a whip, not on them. And then, but then it's so cheap. I felt that, you know, and they think it kind of mm-hmm. it bugged me a little bit because I'm like, there's a whole story there, yeah. right? They pull down Denzel's shirt, and you see the scars. Yeah, now we've see. all seen those pictures, right? They, they're, they are some of the most infamous pictures we've ever seen, right? Mm-hmm. But it just flashes through, and we don't know anything about his story. We don't know why he ran. We don't know what, you know, and and we never build these characters, and that's like Morgan Freeman's character. It's like you're the grave digger. Like, why are you so eloquent? Right. Why do you speak so well? Why are you so wise? And then I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, because he's the wise old guy. Right. And then I thought, huh, a lack of development <laughs> about a character who's largely used as a foil in response to dialogue. Because Freeman's biggest responses in that film are always in like response. A, a response to someone else's call. Right. That sounds like a character he might have done before where we find out that we like him he's very friendly but we know nothing about him who he does why he does it i'll be over here and and and, uh, that's why i said as i as i watched and it you know so i i held off i actually didn't watch the second half of the film this morning because i didn't want to get too salty on it right because in the end it does get a lot of things right Right. You know, order of battle is nearly impossible to really do for Civil War history because everything was yeah. madness. It yes. was it was right. complete insanity. They did brush over certain aspects mm-hmm. of the political realities that, that I thought were funny. You know, they everyone always skips Lincoln's letters. Yeah, I, I, everyone's like, "Well, we fought the war." I'm, I'm not even from the U.S., and everyone's like, "Well, the war was fought to end slavery." I'm like, it was clearly stated by Abraham Lincoln, right? 
in letters about the war that this is about taxes and tariffs. And it is to specifically not address the question of slavery. So, again, there's little things that could have been built in to build up why these things mattered, why, you know, Shaw's family were abolitionists. And I felt that they could have done more in the sense that you could talk about the manipulation of even his character. Because mm-hmm. I yes. feel, you feel bad because he was a kid. Yeah, he was, he was a kid. Three. Yeah. Right? And as, as a kid, I thought it was weird to see Matthew Broderick as a colonel. Yeah. But knowing now, actually, I'm like, man, he's actually too old for right. that role. Yeah, right. Right. But, and, and there's a sense of the reality of the manipulation. I also think they showed uh, uh, Frederick Douglass being too old for what he should have been at the time. I might be mistaken, but there's always, there's only one image of Frederick Douglass that ever shows up. Right. Yeah, and film right. And he's right. always gray. Right. But, the, you know, he might have not been that great, but again, I, again I, I couldn't find any accurate photo for the time. Right. But it was a little bit too, there was never enough bravery to go more into those issues about why the pillaging. Mm-hmm. Right, from, right. You know the uh, from uh, the requisitions officers is so deep. You know, there's certain lines that pop in that I do like, where they foreshadow things a little bit when they're saying, "Oh, I got the most wonderful local jam." Yeah, yeah. and then you find out how oh, he's been getting right, that yeah. right. local jam. Yeah, but it didn't go into that because I thought there was a film hiding within the film, and that was really yeah. what the fifty fourth was about, which is that in some lines they say it and they say. Oh, well, we can't have the company go out to battle. It wouldn't uh, go against my, yeah. you know, yeah. my plan, my requirements. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Everyone was a tool. But in this case, and it's true, the 54th were a tool of a tool yeah. <laughs> in right. some cases, right? Um, and then the thing that I think was, it's a shame that it was only one scene because it's largely one of the most important legacies of the 54th was the structured inequality of payments for black soldiers to get mm. the $10 versus the 13 and have to pay for the uniforms was something that went for the duration of the war. Yes. And the 54th always stood against that. And that was one of the things that made them unique. They never accepted anything. And then at the end of the war, everyone was retroactively paid back. Right. Right. I mean, if you survived. Right. Yeah. Right. But, right. The half that right, lived. The half that did. Yeah. Right. But there is, so there's these important elements in there that we know if we dig into it, we're going to find those truths. True. Right. Yeah. Right. But the interrogation of them, I feel, got, felt got lost because everything, it's almost like either the film was too ambitious because there was too much story there. Mm. You could have done it specifically around one battle or around just the experience of the soldiers. Mm-hmm. But it was a tricky time, I think, because they needed to have a little bit of action. They needed a little bit of politics. Right. But then it was a question of where's the focus going to be? Because right. the question is, you know, are you focusing on the on the big three in that film, right? Being uh, Shaw, Forbes, and Thomas, mm-hmm. right? Sort of like right. Andre Brower's character, yeah. right? Who can just, I mean, it's funny because, you know, all I think of him in now is Brooklyn Nine-Nine. People love <laughs> right. that show here. And he still sounds the same, yeah. right? Yes, he does. But he's amazing. Like, he, he can deliver lines like, like no other. Yeah. Right? Andre Brown's a bad Or, man. but then there's that split because then you have... Uh, Trip Rollins, Jupiter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And I'm always... It, it felt like the film... They should have chosen one of those sets. One, one, one of the three, too. Because uh, the, the, the character dynamic was different. Because I liked what you could have done. What they could have done. Yeah. With Shaw, Forbes, and Searles. Because they're all the same person. Mm-hmm. Going through a different version 
of the war because of who they are and what they are changed to. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. Shaw and Forbes are like are exactly the same guy. Although one dealt with his PTSD with more heavy drinking. Right. That was Carrie Always' character. Right. Um, uh, Shaw had severe PTSD and, and was actually, from what I can tell, but I don't know the history behind him, was like, well, you're always shot. I'm, I'm ready to get out of the war. And yeah. then he's sent in. So he's held by his family, forcing him in. Well, you right. see that when they tell him they're going to make him the colonel. Yeah, and you see the face. He's like, um, I just, I was just at Antietam. Yeah. Right. right? And then, oh, and then you have the honor of leading them. And that's always what it is, right? And that mm-hmm. was one thing that did bug me about the film when I did go back. But I'll get into that in a second. So those three have the same story. But what's the difference when you have like, oh, you got to do what your, your family is putting you up right. to. Right. And that's a shackle in a way. That's a limitation. Mm-hmm. Right. Elvis was ready to leave. And he's held in because he won't let his friend go in alone. He'll just right. do it because I will stand with you. Even when you know at, and he's given multiple exit points. And he still stands by. He is that loyal friend. Sometimes we get pulled into our friend's BS. Yes. Right? And then Brower, right, as as Thomas. He is is their equal in every way. Maybe superior because he reads clearly really well. Reads a lot of Emerson. Right, right, right. right. And all the transcendentalists. Yes, and and all the transcendentalists. Does it have pictures? No. Will you teach me? I'd be be my pleasure, right? Yeah. But... Um, and 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 that, there's a I mean that first half of the film is a great dynamic. The second half of the film becomes about the soldiers. Yeah, yeah. Right. But I felt like to make the film, what would have made it I think a really longer standing film, at least for me, mm-hmm. is if they had focused on one of those sets and then gone deeper into those characters. I mean I don't know why. I mean I know that they grew up together. How? Right. Well, what I, I feel I mean I think you could have made the whole film around Thomas. To be honest. In many ways, I think that would have been very interesting because yeah. he too is bound by friendship. Yeah. He wants to be yeah. the first enlisted, yeah. you know, member of the fifty fourth, um, and his experience of what, it, and you see bits of it, but mm-hmm. only through the context of the drill sergeant treatment, which is, I, I mean, to a bit, to an extent, trip as well, right? But that's just like you get that in every in every soldier yeah. film. There's yeah. always, I mean, you, get, you always you always have that. that, right? But the drill sergeant was it, that that doesn't really give us uh, eyes into his character because. Drill sergeants are meant to just yell at you and hit you. Right. Like, it, that's automatic. Right? So, sure. anyway, like I said, I, so, like I said, the more I watched the film, the more I wish it could have gotten a little bit bigger because, in the end, the biggest thing that was, I felt, that does bug me a little bit about the film is that they, they demonstrate, you know, 54th being, you know, Broderick as Shaw um, saying, volunteering the mm-hmm. unit to lead on Wagner. Mm-hmm. But actually, they were, it was more typical, and I think this would have been better. It's a shame. Yeah. Fair enough. They, yeah. He didn't volunteer. They were given the honor. They were given the honor. Right. right. Which I think would have actually, if they put that one piece in, after all they had done, being the more noble hand, being the more precise group, being the, you know, the ones with some basic form of ethics that, oh, yeah, and by the way, we're going to send you first. Right. Right. And then lastly, there is that weird subtext of when they bring in uh, Montgomery and they show his uh, contraband regiment, uh, yeah. which is largely like West Indian, like West Indies uh, folks. Right. It's a certain type of portrayal and characterization, yeah. right, of, which is, again, a, a bit of a, a it's a cop out, right? Yeah. It's the easy out. Right. 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 I mean, we wouldn't have a song Buffalo Soldier if we didn't, if some of this didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Right. But there's a weird subtext when it's that. Your destiny, and this is, you know, sometimes I think, oh, you know, I can imagine I have to have, I'd have a really long talk with Kennedy about this because it's completely conceptual. Okay. But if you were to approach this purely as a f- deep, deep study of film analysis and 
what causes, what the agents of change are. Mm-hmm. Are we to take now that the only thing that turned, you know, this group of former slaves versus this other group of former slaves into acceptable, brave humans right. to be the measured support from this young white leader? Right. Now, I know that's a, again, that's, you know, that fits in a certain narrative of, of yeah, analysis, yeah, right? Yeah. But it was that I felt you see that piece. I'm like, this doesn't even have to be here. We don't need this because we know the, these these soldiers, these troops have already achieved greatness. They are doing what they would normally do. You mm-hmm. don't need this trope of saying, and oh, by the way, there also happened to be some savages. Right. You know, it, it's it's unneeded. And it took away from it because it made it a cheaper element of the film. Right. Right. They're, they're, the fact that they are genuinely strong, honorable, regular people just like everybody else. Right. Fair enough. Yeah, Vince. I, I, I. You, you know, I think you, <laughs> you, you led with what I wasn't gonna. I think this is very much a product of its time. Like this mm. is very much a depiction of blackness in 1989 through this white imagination. And and, and yes, this is the same year as Driving Miss Daisy. And very is almost. It's it's almost like a book in too dry. Like you can very much see both of these films at mm. the same time. You, you know, just to sort of parrot what you said, it is, it's very 1989 that you have these really fascinating characters, whether you're talking about Andre Brower's character, mm-hmm. Tom's like what you said, you know, it's a whole movie yeah. about him, whether you have Denzel Washington, who, you know, Rightly should have been nominated mm-hmm. for an Academy Award. I actually think Danny Aiello should have won this year for mm-hmm. Do the Right Thing. But, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the film actually almost gets brighter when they introduce his character in that in that um, in that tent. tent. Yeah. For all of my good nature joking about Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman is Morgan Freeman for a reason. Yeah. And that power. Mm hmm that he generates comes right off the screen and you have these three black characters. Yes. And then even if you bring in Carl use mm. as, as his friend who has like, you know, as you said, there's something really interesting going on right there. Mm-hmm. All four of those characters would have been a much better point of view character now i understand historically yes you know it's based on shaw's letters and yeah. and you know you have matrick matthew broderick playing shaw but it weakens the film by having it from his yeah. point of view now whether it's just he's not as engaging a character and i have to say you made a better argument for Shaw as sort of being a tool of his parents as abolitionists mm-hmm. and family. out. Like when you were talking, I was thinking, damn, I wish they would have done that with his character in the movie. Oh. Or, you know, I don't think Matthew Broderick is that great of an actor, frankly. No. Like I think they could have found a better actor for this role. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, 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 it doesn't hold up for those reasons. Having said that, I'm really interested in this idea of this film as something that we almost export as this image of the American myth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a really, really interesting way to look at it. Like if you don't learn about the civil war, if you grow up somewhere else, if, Mm -hmm. if you just sort of see it and 
and you know, I actually talked to my own students about this, just about America and race, because we are such a young country, mm-hmm. relatively, so much of our identity is tied up in the myth mm-hmm. of it. And I think as 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 this myth of America, you see why it resonates. Mm-hmm. And and I think in, in a lot of ways, I'm interested in looking like I almost want to go and watch it again mm-hmm. from that perspective because that's really, really interesting First to me. First Civil War film I ever saw. Yeah. First story of the Civil War that I ever heard of. I remember the trailers even being on TV and you know, I'm thinking, wow, this looks like you know, such a powerful film. Like when I first saw Memphis Bell, which mm-hmm. led on you know, led me to do a ton of research on, you know, like I said, the daylight bombing raids, understanding the European Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works Network, hosted by comedians Jackie's Neal and Edgar Montplacier. Every Wednesday and Friday, these two friends dive into topics ranging from sports, music, to movies, and style. They wonder whether or not Donald Glover is a genius or a weirdo. They continuously decipher Kanye West's tweets and behavior. They also have recurring segments like Queen of the Week, The List, and Top Fives like Marvel Movies and Video Games. Listen to Culture Kings and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and find out the best way to eat a taco. Oh. What's the best way to eat a taco? Vince, with your hands? With your hands. Also, with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. So that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce. Campaigns during the war. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the reality of how... You know, there's little details that you have. We like to change, you know, because it, it's part of creating an image of what things, what we wish things were right. when we look back at times right. that nobody can be proud of. You're right. right, exactly. Right. So something as simple, I always say, if you take a look as a great context, because I, I put Memphis Belt kind of in a similar spot where it is a constructed story around realistic elements, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And there are important stories there because a lot of young kids died in these campaigns. And it's great to have them as these starting points. But, you know, in, in Memphis Bell, whenever you see, you know, the fuselage of the inside of the B-17s, they're a lot bigger than they were mm. because people forget how small these planes were, right? You were hunched over. Yep. Yep. But how are you standing for this dramatic scene? You couldn't. You could not do that. Right, right, right. right. But we change it because we want the image to look a certain right. way. Right. Mm-hmm. The communication yeah. of what that struggle is right. and how we overcome it. And in something like Glory, it was funny because I, you know, I sat and I, you know, we, I sat with the credits because I wanted to see how it was put together. Mm-hmm. And of course, for and this, I thought was an interesting touch. You know, there were. A lot of focus points on on, on making sure it tied together with, you know, Massachusetts uh, historical societies, mm-hmm. uh, Civil War reenactors, just to like get movements right. Yes. you know, so it felt right. So there was definitely an attempt, and I think in this case, I, I, and why I'm kinder to the film, is because it is a product of its time, mm-hmm. and films in that time had a certain look and a certain feel, and they could only do certain things, certain right. ways of filming or certain right. images. We just right. were not allowed to yeah. put on film. So it exists in, it's like this funny microcosm of at that moment, it's a very, in a way, easily digestible, but easy to present idea because it takes very deep 
and sophisticated subjects and turns them into almost like we would get as a, like a Cole's nose mm. version mm-hmm. where it gives you the basic lines. Right. Yeah. Right. But it requires you to get the most out of the film. You have to keep reading. Right. Exactly. Which is like, what war films were back right. then. Right. It's, like, it, yeah. it's like at the end of like one of those PBS shows. It's like, you know. For if more you, information. If for more information, mm-hmm. go to your local library. Yeah. 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 Right. It's like, because I, I saw this film um, years ago. And it's a film I return to every few years. And mm-hmm. watching it again for this exercise, I was amazed that I still felt the same type, same, same way. In that. It's no. Is it wholly accurate depiction of the time? Mm-hmm. Of course not. Yeah. Right. Um, are there are there you know nits to to pick at this? Certainly. Mm-hmm. Starting with Matthew Broderick, mm-hmm. who, while you say he's not that great an actor, I don't think he's a great actor, but I think he's a good actor, okay. and I and I applaud him and the producers, mm-hmm. you know, taking the chance to to do this because this is a role he easily couldn't couldn't have done. You right. know, he could have said he he was he was Matthew Broderick at that time. Yeah. Right. So he could have said like, eh, I'm, I'm good. But no, he, I'm sure. I think I I think I can pull it off. And I think for the most part, he's okay in the film. For because as much as it is through his point of view, I think to a degree, him not sticking the landing. Mm-hmm. so much mm-hmm. allows for the black characters to resonate that much That's more yeah. you know mm-hmm. um through some of the quote unquote caricatures that their their um mm-hmm. their characters are so uh i acted for that i didn't mind it and two like we said, war films at this time mm-hmm. were all about the romanticizing and myth right. making of war itself. Right. This, mm-hmm. you know, this great piece of Americana. War is Americana. It's what we are. You know, and you ver- and any Civil War movies at that time uh, before this mm-hmm. either were completely romanticized mm. as if black people weren't even there. Right. Um, or they were indictments on the war. Mm. Either they're indictments mm. on the South. Usually they were an indictment on the South or they were um, indictments on the whole war itself or the, or the, the, the war making the, the machinery of the war. Yes. As right. It was. Right. So for this film to try to, create more of a myth of the civil war by using this black regiment mm-hmm. as its vehicle to do so at least that's the was my take on it is why I could watch it and enjoy the mm-hmm. film and in watching it again this time I was amazed that even through my more more critical eyes there were still moments where I was like this, this this movie is getting me like you, you start off with the camp campfire scene and yes, it's a joyous scene with the guys singing and everything like that. But when Denzel comes up, Mm -hmm. it really doesn't say anything. Yeah. It's really, it's a scene that you have to see Yes, because it is all on his eyes because what it is, is the melting of all of all the hardness and everything that he's been showing in the movies and Mm -hmm. all as well as a reality of, what he knows is before him the right. next day. Right. Um, 
just watching that scene, I was I was riveted. I was I was almost come to tears. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, the Morgan Freeman character, he's Morgan Freeman. He's doing Morgan Freeman, yeah. you know, um, and you know, and I, I like it. He's doing it well, and he's doing it. I mean, he's doing it well. Can't knock him. And and he does more of a gospel flair in this one, though. You hear it in some of his inflections, yeah. Especially when he's chewing out after the face slap. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's when it comes out. You hear it because that that's the one time where his character becomes the same Mm -hmm. as what he was at the campfire. That is because those are the only two parts of the film where that happens. Because after that, he just becomes like the wise. Yeah, sorry, but even but even yeah. then, yeah. but even then, there is the throwaway line of when he does get his stripes and he tells Matthew Braga, "I'm not even sure I want this because mm-hmm. you know, like, hey, I'm not, I'm not sure if I want to be here. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like cool, like maybe in the tent, you know, <laughs> right, I, I right, handle things. Right. But now out here with all these people, um, and then Andre Brower, mm-hmm. who, who, <laughs> like you, you know, you forever see him on Brooklyn Nine Nine Nine. For me, he'll always be it's Sam, uh, uh, from Homicide: Life on the yes. Street. Oh yeah, as oh, the, yeah. the <laughs> roughest, toughest cop I've ever, detective I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And then just to to see him with just like a whole nother character, a whole nother mm-hmm. yeah. side of, the, but with the same voice, the same bravado, and yet it's it's oh. still from another another place in his heart. It's it's this movie just really yeah. captivated. I, I was lost in, and all, the other thing that hit me this time is that as romanticized as part of it is, the images of the war mm. are very realistic in this movie. And that that mm. really stuck out to me seeing it the yeah. very first time and then going back. You right. forget that early on, like within the first five minutes of this movie, somebody's head is blown off. It's yeah. Charles Colonel right in front of him. Right, right in front of him. on him. And, and it's it the, gets on him, it's yeah. It's the one bit that shows you that. And actually when they show... Uh, when they show the troops' feet, especially Denzel, yeah. the first time... You know, this was one of the benefits of using film. Yes. And yeah. that softer tone in that it's not grayed out. It's it's just a more muted and softer color. Mm-hmm. It gets grayed out when the smoke hits. When yes. there's rubble. When there's fear in the air. But when you see the blood, it has that the darkness, the yeah. this like molasses like texture exactly. where you yeah, know right. it's old. These are old wounds. Right. Really? And you see that and you you feel it. You, yeah. you flinch a bit. Yeah. And that I, yeah, you're right though about that. There's a it but it and, and it does not overdo it. And that's no. what I like about the film in that how do, there's always these juxtapositions, right? Right. You know, Matthew Broderick's walking through the camp and he's got that and it's from his letters, which I find fascinating, you know. I do not, you know, I, I, as much as I, I, I look at the troops, I do not understand them. Right. I have a camaraderie that I, I, I don't understand. They're so silent under orders, but when released upon, they're on time. They're, he said something about their, their tongues can sing the most amazing songs. Right. It sounds like, like, a, like what a goofy ethnographer would say mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. But to be fair, actually, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with those observations. This, right. is, this is an alien world. To, to him and, and he is a man of his time exactly yeah. exactly and I thought that was he, you know but there's always these sort of juxtapositions between you know that camp and then the, the dinner where the uh, you know, the quartermaster's trying uh, to tell him about the jams and stuff right and, and, but I don't doubt that those happen because that happens in every Everyone. conflict there yes. right um, and then with battles it goes from you know you see these sort of beautiful areas mm. in South Carolina mm. and then you see the fights 
and the grayness of the forest. I mean, I thought when you see the way the trees are, all I think is like old yeah. um, summer yeah. films when they talk about fighting through in Chinese films, you fight through the bamboo forests. Oh, yeah. Right. Come through the trees. There's a, the first battle that they fight. Right. When the right. horses come in and everyone's cheering and you just hear that, that clomping of, of the heels. Yeah. And they come through the smoke and I'm like, that is exactly how Oliver Stone did. Right. And to, to show the Viet Cong coming through the smoke. Right. When he did Platoon, when uh, Charlie yep. Sheen is sitting there with a the towel over yep. his head. And there's an amazing dramatic element to that, which mm-hmm. I never, again, at that time I said, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. But oh, yeah. when you look at other Civil War films, you don't often get that. You don't see it. You well, don't see what you're shooting at. Yeah. And that is an amazing thing about the film. Well, <laughs> I, I think something that, that you touch on, I don't remember the years off like the top of my head, but like, you know, this yeah. is during that moment. When there was almost the Vietnam movie Renaissance, mm-hmm. where you know it's oh, you yeah. know it's like Full Metal Jacket, yeah, platoon. it's it's Hamburger platoon, Hill it's Hamburger Hill, and the way that they shoot the battle, it's 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 interesting, mm-hmm. or it, it's really it, it's really impactful yes. because they're using those sensibilities and they're mm-hmm. using that approach to filming battle, yeah, but they're doing it within the context of mm-hmm. a battle that hadn't been shown like mm-hmm. this yet. Like, yeah. like, you know, I'm not a civil war movie buff, but mm-hmm. I mean, what, what's, what are the civil war movies at this? I mean, it's 1989. There, there, I mean, again, from my perspective, I don't know how many there were. Right. I can't, right? I can't even. So I think you're right. When we think about civil war movies, mm-hmm. it really is using the sensibilities and, and sort of the visual language of something mm-hmm. like the forties. Well, it's almost 50s. like a, I think I described you know, the it yellow once. badge of courage, even, yes. you know, something like that. Well, you know, I, it, I always joke, it, it, you know, when I was, cause I was talking to somebody, you know, at work about this. I was like, how I've been going through the film. And it's like, it's, it's bugles and distance on the camera. That's what I expect a civil war film to be like, like, you right. see, you know, it's not up close. It's not visceral often. And that's what more of the newer presentations. Yeah. Are. Right. Right. Exactly. Right, right. Um, but the, this, you can, you can smell it. Yeah. And that's why, you know, I know, you, you know. a friend of mine is a, he does civil war reenactments. He's done it. And, and so I've asked him a couple things every now and then. And yeah, they talk about there are the folks who, oh, you bought your uniform. No, 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 no. If you need to do this right, you got to find the material that matches. That matches. And that. you got to sew the buttons on yourself because actually they were never in line. You're mm-hmm. fixing things yourself all the time. Right. Yep. Right. Speaking of fixing, I did think it's funny that Neelix. I saw that. Yeah, you saw that. I saw that. <laughs> I saw that. You see Neelix? In yeah, I, did. I did see Neelix. <laughs> I don't know who the actor. Uh, right, right. He's just Neelix. Neelix. Yeah, he's just Neelix. <laughs> and everyone knew what you meant when you said Neelix. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that. I was like, oh, Neelix is in this. Now we got something to talk about. Yeah. Right? Oh, Look at Neelix. And it is amazing how often he, t- he pops up in a lot of stuff. He does. Well, I mean, he was he was one of those character great actors. character actors. Like they, and then he gets this um, role. Where he's recognizable for the rest of his life. Yeah. Yes, just yeah. so happens he has on enough makeup that you know, see it yeah, but you still, you still see him. See it. Yeah. But it, it, it's, it's an interesting film. Like I said, I, I think I like it less in, this, in its structure. Right. Having watched it more and really tried to get at how the narratives worked. But I have gained more appreciation for the nature of the story and certain aspects of it that I missed before. So I use this, you know, the show as an excuse to just order the Blu-ray. Right. So right. it's a little bit cleaner. The sound is mixing is all off on those Blu-rays. So like the, oh, yeah. The, the explosions yeah. are too loud. And the dog, so I, you know, I rewatch well, those sometimes. Well, do you, 
Let me just ask you: Do you have surround sound when you're listening to it? I don't. I've got, so that's like, the I've difference. Got, like, the bar with the woofer, mm-hmm. but I think you need it around because my hunch is the explosions yeah. are being compressed, right. exactly. or centered when they're supposed to be spaced. Exactly. Okay, you know what? That makes sense because they won the award for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Now, that's it wasn't what it for is. Sound editing, editing right. with the Last Crusade. <laughs> Right, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. He went through the entire. Right. Uh, that's, I like a man that does his research. <laughs> but they did one for sound, which means mixing. Mm-hmm. So that okay, so that would explain. Right. That. Yeah, that's that's um, what it is. But I did like how that film to me. There's all these little looks, these expressions that exist amongst the actors in that film that tell. Yeah. So much, and so you have to build lore in your head. It's almost like, oh yeah, oh absolutely, almost like corny Overwatch lore yeah. or corny Star Trek lore, whatever it is. You know, head cannon that comes out of Game yeah, of exactly. Thrones, whatever right. it is. Um, I, I joke that's a. I like to say that's a film where I think Denzel mastered his um his bunny rabbit. I'm not gonna cry. Look when he, you know, because oh, Denzel yeah. does that when he's like. Oh yeah, so yeah. no one can see this, but he got the bunny rabbit. With yeah, him. oh yeah, yeah. He, yeah he I mean, that won him the Oscar. No, and he, oh, but yeah. and every film, every film, when he's about to cry. He goes. Well, yeah. And then lip moves, like left to right. <laughs> um, and Andre Brower, mm-hmm. his story is told through how he looks when you look at his eyes. Oh, yeah. In response to the changes he's seeing exactly. his friends and himself go through. Right? Yeah. And it's, I, I, to me, it was the, my, the, it was the line when he's, he's getting in line to get his rifle. And he says, there's a rumor that, uh, well, if you say the Brower, <laughs> Brower right? Be like, there's a rumor going around that we are only to be used for manual labor. <laughs> is this true, Thomas? Is this true? Is this true, Thomas? Is this true? And I'm like, oh, it's so good. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Broderick goes, one moment, and he just walks off. And that's not a weird statement to say, hold on one second. To go off. That's not weird. But his look says, <laughs> you've you've never brushed me off like that before. Right. Like right, it, right. That, in, in, you know, and in his need, realizing yeah. his new standing. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and that line, I'm, and, and that's why for me, like I wanted more Thomas, I wanted more Brower in that yeah. film. When he drops the Merry Christmas and he has so much trouble saying it because it has been literally beaten into him now. Yeah. That you are you not, you cannot, you cannot fraternize. And right. he just wants to say Merry Christmas because his entire life Right, growing up with his best friend. Yeah, right. Every you just know every Christmas was together. They were friends, they were like friends. you said. They grew and, up and, together. And you see that, and that, and because Brower does this, he does the, uh, the the tooth lick thing. Yes, he does. He does that in a lot of films. He goes, "Let me tell you, whatever. you know that thing, right?" So, but I thought that was a it's a gift of the film that I actually never caught before because I was always watching on like a small screen or right, like, kind right. of half out of the side of my eye, but seeing that. Almost all those actors did in- incredible things. Um, what I thought was funny was uh, what's his name? It's, it's Jimmy Kennedy, the guy who plays Jupiter. Yeah, because I guess he took a break off of acting and he stopped doing stuff for a long time. But he's just—it's tough to do that role without making it seem like a minstrel show. Like it's really hard. It 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 really is, and it's, he walks I, the line. Yes. Yeah. And he's right there. He's right he's there. Right there. Yeah. Right? He does walk the line, and I think. He sticks the landing again mm-hmm. yeah. to that amazing campfire scene. Yeah. Because he really could have just leaned in on it then. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, you said you like it maybe a little less. We balanced each other out then because I like this film 
a little bit more yeah. than I did. And really? because you know I have a hair trigger for this kind of thing. Yeah, you do. And <laughs> but that's but, why when you said this is going to be glorious, I said, oh, I'm just going to sit back and watch this one. <laughs> but I think you're right. I th- I think the power of the performances. Mm-hmm. I think the power of the performances mm-hmm. of the actors and particularly the black actors when they're together. Like we talk oh, about yeah. the campfire scene. Mm-hmm. The few scenes in the tent oh, yeah. between yeah. these four characters are amazing because you do, you know, you have these three magnificent actors mm-hmm. and then you have the actor playing Jupiter who is somehow able to thread this needle where he's oh, yeah. not buffoonish, where he's not a minstrel. Well, could you imagine doing that scene? As Jimmy Kennedy in that tent. And it's it's so close. <laughs> yes. And the three of them are acting. And, and you know, even to the extent, like I said, I'm not a fan of Matthew Broderick in this film. But I think, mm-hmm. I don't think his performance distracts. No. No, no. And it, I it really. distracted me less when I watched it again. Right. And I really like Carl Hughes. I, I really I, like him. I never know how to pronounce his Carrie, last name. Carrie Hughes. Carrie, Carrie Hughes. I'm calling him Carl. I really like Carrie Hughes in this film. And so that, yes, I think it's absolutely a product of its mm-hmm. time. Like, this is such an 80s movie <laughs> with race. Mm. But it, it I, I think I landed on the side of liking it. And I did not like it when it came out. Mm, really? I mm. really did. Now, what were the reasons? What were the, the triggers? I, that I, I, I think the fact that it was from the perspective of Shaw was mm-hmm. an absolute deal breaker when okay. I saw it. Right. Now, finding out that it was based on his letters, mm-hmm. kind of like that gave me like a little hedge mm-hmm. where I said, okay, well, if, all right, I kind of see what they're doing there. And then I think I forgot how strong the performances were. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, and again, it, it's funny, like those of you who are listening to all of this separately, this is the end of our marathon. We did Girls Trip earlier. Oh, you did and Girls we, Trip. And we, uh-huh. and we talked about the camaraderie mm-hmm. between the four actresses. Oh, yeah. And I think the relationships mm-hmm. that are really developed through gesture, through looks, through just um, chemistry. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm kind of elevates everything like like the it's funny you you talked about thomas Mm -hmm. and you could see his growth as a character Mm -hmm. i love the friendship between thomas and trip that develops (laughs) yes as thomas hardens and changes and trip trip's worldview kind of opens up a little bit and it's not a huge thing like Mm -hmm. they don't go and share a cappuccino and but by the end it's perfectly natural. Like there's a moment where Thomas is going to the final battle and he, and he, tri- and he falls because, well, he's still injured. Yeah. Yeah. He shouldn't be there. Uh, yeah. And Trip helps him up. Yeah. Pats him on the shoulder. Pats him on the shoulder. Yeah. And it's a quick moment, but it's earned. It's organic. Mm-hmm. And you have these two great actors mm-hmm. kind of showing this. So, but you know, but you, you know, and that is a great, that is a great scene. And then there's a later scene in, in the battle where, you know, that kind of pay, um, plays off of that when oh. when, when um, uh, Andre Brower's character saves yes right saves trip yeah. but there's even even before that there's a scene during like the training session when you're not even still you're not even sure that uh, trip 
and Andre Brown's character are friends yet, but you or, or even friendly, but you realize that they they both realize they're on the same side, or at least you realize Trip knows that yo, you're still on my side. I, I I'll pick on you all I want, but that's me. I'm not going to let other people pick on you. Mm-hmm. Is there are I think they're at the end of a run or something like that, and the two of them are side by side at the head of head of the line, and Andre Brower's character. Bends over to like you know he's like dead tired right and and as the sergeant major is coming is coming up mm-hmm. trip tries to pick him up like you're like no no you can't bend over you got to stand up and Andre and Andre Brower's character bends back over again but by now the sergeant yep. is there and trip can't do anything he's like right. all right well you know I tried to save you right you know what I mean so because I was looking out for you because right. you are still one of us right you know what mm-hmm. I mean I like that scene they still weren't boys he was still picking on him at that point right. we'll pick right. on him later right. but he, but you you're still one of us right you're not them I really appreciated that scene I like yeah. that a lot yeah, man. yeah. It was dope. That showed to me mm-hmm. just their whole camaraderie, the, just the camaraderie on them. Like, and then when you cut to the, they're back in the in the tent, and you know, first of all, he's calling them snowflake the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, the entire film, he's dying. There's snowflake. There's pap, pap's the other one. Oh, oh he God. is relentless. He is relentless. Like he's tapping on his head. Oh, you thought he was different? <laughs> <laughs> you thought he was different? Snowflake. He said, "Oh, you getting education now? <laughs> you in? Yeah, you in, dude? Oh, oh my God! But but I love that whole that yeah. whole scene yeah. because then. He tries to turn to Jimmy Kennedy's character and it's like, yo, you want to go get some biscuits? Right, right. Get some biscuits. Let's jet out of here. And with almost a look, Morgan, he said some words, but with almost a look, he's like, boy, go to sleep. Right. More or less. Right. And he goes to sleep. And he goes to sleep. Because that's the camaraderie of that tent right Right. there. That's the freaking sitcom. That's the movie right right there. Right, right, right. right. Oh, I love that. Yeah. (laughs) I loved it, man. Yeah, <laughs> so glory, huh? See, I never would have thought. Never would have. I never would have thought. I'd. I would have landed here. We have peace in our town. We have. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Look at it, man. Yeah. Ed, Ed, Edward Zwick, one of his, and I'm not a huge Edward Zwick uh, fan, but he does yeah. some some phenomenal television. But he, he did great on yeah. he did great on this. He romanticized in a way the Civil War from a black regiment's point yeah. of view. Right. And it and I know I'm old enough that I saw this in the movie theaters. Oh yeah. And you know, we were coming out of the movie theaters like give them hell for fifty four. Yeah. Shoot, man. Though yeah. I mean one thing I I loved about the film too is that it there was a time when and people forget this. So right after the Second World War, I think it was around 54, 53, there was a film called Go For Broke, which mm. was a film about the 442. So it was the uh, Japanese-American oh. the Nisei, the, oh. the Nisei unit. So it's okay. all the folks that have fight in Japan because you were in internment camps. Yes. And they fought. And there was a whole issue there. Right wow. Those who chose to fight versus those who would say, they're not even giving us basic civil rights. Why should I go die in a foreign exactly. war? Right. Now the folks in the 442 who became the highest decorated unit for number of sorties that they ran they are the highest decorated military unit from the war because mm-hmm. uh, they got sent on they were given the honor mm, right, right. a lot of missions that film came out um not long after the war i mean within 10 years that that's impressive yeah. it takes us longer yeah, yeah. To yeah. that story to be told to even tell, why would we even care to tell that story right, right. um 
But then it kind of dropped off for a bit. And for a long time, we didn't tell a lot of these stories of these. It, it became that we had like generic stories. And then we stopped having war films that had any meaning because we were afraid of the Cold War. So we started inventing stories. Mm-hmm. Right. What's interesting about Glory is that when that comes out and it tells this great regimental story, there's so many stories after that that become yeah. important, right? All of a sudden, people start to realize who the Tuskegee Airmen, yes. who the Red Tails right. were. You learn yeah. about the Harlem Hellfighters. Mm-hmm. Right. about the fact that actually this is a story that is universal. And what I like about Glory is that it's a great way to start that. To start that conversation. Right. right. As you go on, there are <clears throat> stories throughout history, right. American history, about... Those who you may think have no reason to take up arms mm-hmm. in a fight that is not theirs. Mm-hmm. Right. And they still do it. And they still go forth. And I think in that case, like in that context, the film is an amazing thing. Yeah. 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 yeah it it just bugged me that <laughs> these mechanical issues. No, no, but, no. But it was, it was amazing, though, to see it, though, again. And really watch it up close to see how those actors interact. Because it, it, it's, it, it's tough to do. And it almost never happens well. I mean, we've seen some... There's been some ensemble movies that just crash and burn. Oh, absolutely. absolutely terrible. What I did like is that there never seemed to be... There was no, like, fighting over the role, fighting over the screen. Right. No. Everyone had their kind of interesting... Very dynamic. generous. Yeah, yeah. It's an ensemble. It's, it's, it's an Yeah, which, which is another reason why I think Matthew right. Broderick's character is not distracting. Because outside of the beginning yep. of the film, he really becomes part of the ensemble. He gets out of the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a very that's a very fair point, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and do you think that's the script or is that Broderick? I think that's the script. Mm-hmm. Okay, I do think that's the script because um, in interviews, uh, Zwick has said he purposefully, even though he knew that this was coming from the letters of Colonel Shaw, he didn't want this to be wholly from the white protagonist point of view. He was fighting against that okay. in this film a, a great deal. Mm. You know, so uh, I think that was decidedly in the script. Mm. You know, and knowing that he's somebody who done, has done work on uh, some of my favorite television shows of all time, including like St. Elsewhere, mm-hmm. so I, mm-hmm. I ride with him on that. Well, all right. There you go. Well, uh-huh. glory. Glory. So it ends up in a better spot than driving Miss Daisy. Yeah, yes, yes, it does. At least, at least with me. <laughs> <laughs> I like it more than driving Miss Daisy. Oh, yes. okay. All right. There I'm you go. Say, I'm, not say I like it. I'm not stupid. This is, it is better money. Than right, 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 right. <laughs> it was so funny because when I did my last check, I was like, oh, I should check what year it was. In the- <laughs> I saw... A picture of Jessica Tandy come up. Uh, and I thought, uh, I told Andrea, I was like, I, heard it. I, she, I go, I go, hey, guess, get this. It came out the same year. The Academy Awards Drive Miss Daisy. I'm going to just talk about the film and say, Vince, what do you think of other films that might have been released at this time? <laughs> But um, but that's good though. I guess it gets it gets three thumbs up. So that's good. yes, that's good. All right. So no, we do it okay. efficient. Okay. So you would recommend it? I would a hundred percent, a hundred. Okay. But here's the question though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it a black film? Ah, uh, I think so. You can't make it without black characters. <laughs> Thank you. Done. Yeah, I think it's a black. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, it's a black film. Yeah. Like I said, I've, I've sat through a lot of modern, you know, communication theory mm-hmm. lectures and discussions. I know there will be those who would argue that it is not because of. The nature of the narrative being derived from letters and it creates a you know bias and perspective. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Now all that said, given the strength and what makes that film amazing, yes, <laughs> at least from my outsider's perspective, I think 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah I would say but so. It's a, it's a tricky thing, though. Yeah. I was like, someone will raise this question. There will be people Absolutely. that raise those yeah. questions. And, yeah. and, and there's an argument to be made for that, right? mm-hmm. certainly. Right. But I think decidedly it's so. And And I think I would recommend it, too. Mm. Oh, I, yeah. I think I would recommend it, too. I think the performances are very strong. I, yeah. I think Andre Brower okay. turns in, like, like, I understand why. Denzel Washington was nominated, mm-hmm. but I think you very easily could have nominated Andre Brower for um, supporting actor Academy Award. Denzel Washington really does give an amazing performance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I tease Morgan Freeman, but <laughs> for the Morgan Freeman, a Tron robotic, like, like he just sort of turns in the Morgan Freeman performance. Mm-hmm. This is one of the better ones. Yeah. Right. Which like, makes sense because it's one of the first. And he like, turns it up sometimes. That's what I thought was. He has yeah. more of a, a dynamic and energies that yeah. you don't often see. Yeah. yeah. He often sits back like he, he's observing. Yeah, he's, he's very wise and noble. But like I said, when he slaps, trip. Yeah. And it's, it, and that's, and it's amazing because he doesn't, he doesn't punch him. No. Right? He slaps him. Yeah. And then there's that look and there's that silence. And then he... Just goes into him, right? Yeah, that you don't see because well, he, he the silence okay. is because he wants to see what Trip is doing, and Trip Trip knows of anybody in that regiment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got I got to eat this, right? Yes, this, this is right. what I'm going to eat. But Freeman does; he takes it up, and you don't. You know, again, you, we have in our heads he's the the stoicism, right? Mm-hmm. And there he lets loose. Yeah, he really like I. I mean, that was the first time I was like, well, because there's a lot of language I'm never going to say here over. <laughs> uh, but yeah. but he really does let loose. Yeah, he gets yeah. In, he gets mm-hmm. in his butt, with, with, which he had coming. Yep, definitely. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So that was Glory, uh, which was a great great piece of cinema yeah. brought to us by Richard. If people want to get in touch with you, because I know you've got this very cool thing that you do here in New York. Yes. The- so if anyone ever wants to get in touch with me or ever wants to see uh, the most prominent supporters club in the Overwatch League, <laughs> the Five Deadly Venoms, uh, here in New York City, you can hit me up at on Twitter at NYXL underscore Venoms. Or, as I like to say, just go to Google, type in Overwatch Richard Ng, spelled N-G, and you're going to find my big dumb face over a whole lot. <laughs> real big, real dumb face. <laughs> nice. Well, not, not dumb at all. No. Yeah, but, um, but yeah, no, that's, uh, that's probably the easiest way. And if anyone is, if, you know, if, like among your listeners, uh, you know, a fan of Overwatch, and they're here for the grand finals, because actually the finals, the world finals are going to be here. Really? Brooklyn. Amazingly, you know, it's not just going to, you know, that stuff always happens on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Right, right. California, right. LA, no, no, no. They're doing it at Barclays Center. So, former home where Ebbets Field used to be once. I mean, there's wow. so much history in that neighborhood, right? A little bit less now these days, you know, the, yeah. way, the way things go. But uh, it's going to be here July 27th and 28th. So, there's a lot of stuff happening that week. So, nice. if anyone ever wants to sort of see what that angle is all about, where uh, you know what what that crew what our crew gets up to? Just uh, give me a shout, and uh, I'll get people sorted out. Cool, All right? Cool. Excellent. It, it's it's very funny to, to be talking in Brooklyn with Richard and hearing that the Canadian accent come out. <laughs> well, I've been working on my like New York accent. Like people always joke about that. I got this one that I turn on because it's like everyone thinks Canadians sound too. You know, it can be off putting. Right? Yeah, because we talk like this, right? 
<laughs> so um, sometimes when I speak to folks here so they don't feel right. not at ease, because look, I, I understand the reality of there's educational uh, discrimination and deficits that occur, and it can be weird, right? <laughs> so I tried to work on this one that sounds like a mix between like the Bronx and Staten Island. Mm. So you just got to like talk out of the side of your mouth. Right. <laughs> and you don't say mouth anymore because you don't say THs. It ends with an F. Yes. It's like mouth. people from like Bristol. Yeah. Right? Oh. Like uh, like in the UK, they're yeah. like with instead of with. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's true. <laughs> I just stick with Philly. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this show will be available for your download streaming pleasure on MichelleMission.com as well as available as a podcast from Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher Radio. And any place and every place that good podcasts be, including the Podglomerate Podcast Network, as well as also available as a radio show on WPPMLP 106.5 FM, People Power Media, Philly Cam in Philadelphia and Camden, and on Mondays, Mondays with Michelle at 9 a.m. on WKDU 91.7 FM in Philadelphia. And if you like us, want to follow us and see all the goings on that we get into, you can follow us and like us on Twitter and Instagram at Michelle Mission. Also, join the Facebook group, Michelle Mission, where we have oodles of fun. You can just sit back and watch Vince and Richard go back and forth about Star Trek all day. Um, (laughs) That's what I do. I just sit there and ping pong. New showrunner. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? That's crazy. Sorry. <laughs> and that, tune into a Spock adjacent near you to continue, for more thoughts on that that conversation. All right, I, I guess that's about it. Um, Did you say what stations we were on? You said the, I said that. Said racers. You said all our stuff. You said all all that stuff. All right. All right. So I guess that's it. That's it. He's Vince. I'm Len. And parting, we say we'll see you when it's time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again. <laughs>